This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CDUSA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnoffs, and this is the February Room. I spent my childhood growing up in Colorado Springs. At that time, I wasn't an angler. A decade later, I now call Montana my home and fish my home waters. But I always think, what waters did I miss out growing up? Today, my guest, Chris Taylor, will let me know exactly what adventures I failed to explore. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Lauren. So crazy. I I really do. I'll be like in Montana and I'm like, gosh, I've explored so much of my waters here, but I never took the opportunity to really explore anything in Colorado Springs. I mean, I really went to school and did my sports and then came home. Like I didn't really do much adventuring. So I'm excited to hear some of your stories. And as always, we kind of start our podcast with an adventure, fly fishing adventure. And I can't wait to hear yours. Yeah. So, uh, same as you, I grew up in the Springs and, um, 
I got to do a lot of uh, exploring the town um, on my bicycle. So I got to pass a lot of city parks with uh, lakes and ponds. And uh, we have a huge creek that runs through town um, called Fountain Creek. And, um, you know, being around uh, angling all my life, you know, I'm always looking at waters and wondering, uh, is there a fish in there? So, you know, being so close to all of these waters, you know, you can always just take a 30 minutes out of your day and just go check them out. So um, it's nice being so close to you know, so many different uh, types of bodies, but the springs, it's really busy sometimes. Uh, we have a huge park basically in the center of town that it's a lot of fun to fish at. You can catch maybe a dozen different species up from trout to shad, uh, there's carp in there, uh, bass, sawgye. But some of my favorite places to fish are uh, outside of town. Um, there's a city of Pueblo. Uh, it has a really bad rep, but if you know where to go, you can have some of the best fishing you will ever have in your life. I mean, trophy fish huge trout, huge carp, huge bass in the river. There's um, uh, Lake Pueblo nearby, which is a pretty popular reservoir. And uh, that's where a lot of my uh, most exciting fishing stories come from. Um, and other than that, uh, most people who are from here, they tend to fish outside of the springs just because it's a uh, there's no gold waters here, you know, it's not as beautiful as um, places like Aspen or uh, Denver, but the Springs has a special place in my heart because it's so close to um, the Rockies, you know, it feels like it's in your backyard and a lot of these uh, waters outside of town aren't terribly far away. You know, we can drive to the famous Cheeseman Canyon in less than two hours. Um, places like Deckers are close and the Dream Stream. And there's just so many fishable places around the springs. It's just a special place, Colorado in general. I'm sure you could say the same about Montana and Oh, yeah. Well, we, you know what I love about Colorado Springs is that, you know, I don't I don't know. I always felt like everyone thinks Denver, like there's the mountains are right up against Denver, because if you actually look at some of the marketing videos or marketing photos for like the Denver Stadium, it looks like the Denver Stadium is literally up against a mountain. And I always think that that's what exactly Colorado Springs looks like. Like yeah. you are up against the Cheyenne Mountain um, and. Yeah. And I think what, you know, you're talking about Pueblo, um, the Pueblo Reservoir. I do. Re I, I did venture out sometimes and, <laughs> and I do remember going tubing um, with some friends out there. But, you know, it's interesting. I never I remember going out there and I didn't see too many anglers out there. And I know you said that you had like one of the most memorable catches from that. Like, was it a big trout that you caught out there? Uh, yes. So just below the Pueblo Reservoir, there's a the Arkansas River. I'm sure one of my friends is going to choke me out for this, but <laughs> <laughs> we won't give any great details. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of anglers that might 
that might be upset, but I mean, it's a, it's a very popular river. People go there a lot. And, um, the Arkansas river, I think it should be considered gold medal waters because there are, I mean, those fish, they eat all year round. Um, Pueblo is kind of unique because it's South, um, Colorado, it's South of the Springs and, um, it doesn't get as cold as other parts of town or parts of the state. I mean, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, like I said, these fish get to eat so many bugs all year round. And um, when I first started fly fishing, my a good friend of mine took me down to a um, a special stretch that doesn't get fished very often because it's it's hidden, you know, basically in the middle of town. And um, you know, we're fishing in the winter and. You know, he's teaching me um, a few techniques on nymphing and walking down the river. And I spot this huge trout, like probably the biggest trout I've ever seen in my life. Just hanging out in this little pool, you could just see the gold and the red. And just every time she opened her mouth to eat, you could just see, you know, the white inside her mouth and like, Oh, it it just got my blood pumping. So we were just sitting there watching and he was like, man, I don't think you're going to catch this fish. Like it's in an awkward spot. (laughs) That fish is huge. It's not going to eat any of your stupid little flies. You know, like it's seen everything. He seems like a really good team player. (laughs) Oh yeah. He's a great friend. Like I I love him. (laughs) I mean, if sometimes fly fishing's like that. So I'm actually glad he, you know, kind of. He's keeping it real. He's like, yeah, yeah, real. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just me being myself you know I love a challenge that's kind of what drew me into fly fishing so you know I'm just like all right let's let's see I think I can set up over here and I can I can just you know plop it out there I think I can get it so he said all right good luck I'll wait downstream and you know we'll see what happens so I take a couple casts you know nothing happens switch out flies and I throw on uh, my favorite fly which um, is the mayor's uh, mini leech and uh, I think it was my leading fly and you know I take a couple more casts and I thought I had spooked the fish so you know I give him the you know sorry man I think I screwed up signal and he's like all right let's go so I just, you know, kind of take one more cast out there and I thought I had snagged. <laughs> and next thing I know, my reel goes screaming downstream. And he's like, Rod, tip up. Keep it to the left. Keep it to the right. I'm like, what the hell? Like, dude, like, I don't know what to do right now. Like, <laughs> let's just run. <laughs> so I got the rod tip, you know, high and I try to you know do what I feel is keeping pressure and we're both like 50 yard dash down the river like just chasing this fish and he's like trying to watch his step and run because he's leading me and I'm like you know trying to follow his tracks and it was a mess and out of nowhere my friend just falls in the water I don't know if he like tripped over a log or fell in like a little cut but he completely goes under and I like stop and I'm like 
oh shit like my friend's gone <laughs> like this is not good like so he comes back up and he's soaked and he's like is it on is it on i'm like i think so you know because i don't want to move anymore because i'm like i'm not gonna drown you know <laughs> so i'm sitting there and he's like watching his step and digging around and once we kind of get our bearings straight i uh you know start to reel in slowly trying to keep pressure because we didn't want to lose this fish because you know he had already told me like it was basically a huge fish that you're not going to catch ever yeah so you know we finally get to the fish and you know we scoop it in the net and like we're just like both like so amazed at how beautiful this fish is um mm -hmm. i believe it's the uh first picture i sent you okay um yes that one is insanely beautiful like the colors are gorgeous yeah, yeah she's like a goldish green with I, I believe it was a cut bow okay and um they're pretty common down there but uh, one of this size is was pretty special. I believe it was pushing 24 inches. Jeez. And beast. Um, yeah, and my friend was so excited. He he could have been lying, but he said, you know, the mouth on this fish was so beautiful that he doesn't think it's ever been caught. Oh, so, I love that story. Sometimes yeah. you hear these stories where it seems like the you know you catch some fish and their mouths have just been totally you know. Yeah, just so Pierced. beat up. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I don't like fishing in the springs because everyone fishes in the springs and they don't really. Uh, I mean, I understand some of them are stalkers, and you know, yeah, but, you know, some people just really don't treat the fish with any kind of respect, and it just it makes fishing bad for everyone at the end of the day because there's there's no beautiful fish left. Well, and it's so true. Like, and, and when you catch these, like the fish that you just caught, it's like that becomes such a memorable memory, especially a fish that's that huge and such good health. Like you probably yeah. wouldn't have felt that great if you saw like a mangled fish. You'd be like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, did I catch the dumb fish? But you caught the smart <laughs> fish. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you also caught the really smart fish. And obviously your fly, I mean, when you use your fly and this was a fly that you tied, what was it called? The mayor's um, Yeah, beach? the mayor's uh, Landon Mayor. He's a he's also a Colorado Springs native, but um, it's his uh, mayor's mini leech jig. Oh, okay. What does it um, really, what does it look like? So it resembles um, a leech, Ugh. but from yeah but from what <laughs> i've learned from watching his videos um you can slow strip it like a little bait fish you can um you can uh drift it on some nymphs you can hang it under a dry fly like a nice fat dry fly like a amy's ant or something and um, okay it's it's very versatile i've fished it in so many places um yeah, I've even seen you like, I mean, like you said in the very beginning of the podcast, you talked about like catching carp and I've definitely seen you catching carp and I never think of Colorado Springs and think about carp fishing. I don't yeah. know why, but. Yeah, and um, I kind of like it that way because I think the carp fishing <laughs> here is <laughs> probably comparable to some of the places in Denver. If you know where okay. to go, you can find some huge carp. Do you like catching smart. carp or do you like catching trout more? Oh, man. <laughs> so I always get a weird look, but 
I I like catching carp more. Um, I swear, there's a huge following for carp. Like we had somebody on the podcast and said that any day he would rather go carp fishing because it's yeah. kind of it's it's almost like saltwater fishing, but yeah, not, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I, I would think so too. Um, I've done a little saltwater fishing, but I could see the comparisons with a uh, like bone fishing or red fishing. Um, but I guess my love for carp is they're a lot smarter than I think they get credit for. Um, they won't just eat anything. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, if you don't have like the right presentation and you know, if they're not in the right mood or if they're only eating subsurface and you only have dry flies, like they will come up to your fly and look at it and turn away and leave. And the next minute, you'll do something different with this different color fly and they'll come back and eat it. And they're just, they seem a little less predictable than trout in my opinion. I don't know why, they just seem like they're stinky fish. And maybe that's the reason why I don't want to catch one because I don't yeah. want to hold on to one. Because aren't they pretty stinky once you catch them? Like, like don't your hands smell for a while? Yeah, so... Yeah, um, I think in my experience, carp that I catch from like still waters, okay, uh, like ponds and lakes, they tend to be a little more stinky. But um, uh, the carp that I've caught in rivers, man, they're ah, psh, they're beautiful, and they smell just as bad as trout. I would say. <laughs> well, that's good. To, that's really good to know. Well, I know you said that you kind of grew up fly fishing. Can you tell me about how you how that journey started for you? Um, so I actually grew up spin fishing. Yes, me too. It's the best way to catch fish. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I did spend some time in Virginia, I did um, like crab fishing. And uh, there's a huge river in Virginia, the James River. And um just fishing is like a lifestyle out there too so uh growing up out here you know you would always hear about oh fly fishing and the gold medal waters and the high alpine lakes and the the cheeseman canyon and if you can catch a fish there you can catch a fish anywhere and it always seemed like so mystical and almost out of reach growing up because i'd never felt like you know, I'm in the Springs. It's not super popular here. You know, I never realized how close I was to some of these places growing up. And um, uh, I ended up getting more into it, I would say, about four years ago. Um, I reconnected with a friend from high school who really liked uh, fly fishing. And um, I had just got into like social media too so I thought Instagram was kind of cool because I, I enjoy taking pictures so I just kind of figured why not try blending photography and fishing and it started off kind of lame you know just the <laughs> typical pictures of like you know you're real next to a nice beach you know <laughs> cool stuff but you know nothing yeah. fantastic but I was like this is not like fun you know like I'm missing <laughs> something you know and I think it was the challenge that I was missing you know because spin fishing is it's fun I'm not discounting it at all it's a challenge in itself but for me you know using the smaller bugs 
taking a more simple approach, but a little more um, engaging, you know, like I can't just throw a lure out there and hope that something's going to bite it. You know, I need to kind of know that they're eating bait fish at the moment or know that, you know, there's a certain hatch going off at the moment. And for some people, yeah, it turns them away. But I think for some other people, they enjoy the constant um, engagement and, you know, the the journey of learning essentially kind of what drew me into it. So once I got my hands on um, a fly rod and a net and a bag, you know, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. Like, I don't feel like I need to carry around three or four rods, a bag full of baits and lures and hooks and, you know, just so much stuff kind of, I ended up with so much stuff with spin fishing that I just was like, no, this is <laughs> <laughs> <it's> too much. <laughs> so for fly fishing, it was much more simpler at first. <laughs> and then I started getting into fly tying and... <laughs> Realizing. What's the biggest joke is that someone said I'm, I started fly tying so I could save some money. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think I've spent more money on fly tying gear than I've spent on lures. Right. But it's cool, but, you know, I enjoy it. It's so much fun. You know, I got to learn, you know, basically what seems like arts and crafts. But, you know, when you catch something on your own fly, that's such a good feeling. You know, it's still something I haven't done and it's something I still want to do. I uh, I don't know. I think it's because Justin is like the t- fly tire and he like goes in his room and he like ties a bunch of flies. And I think to myself, like, one day I should do it. But then when I wake up, he's already made like 20 flies. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> but what I like about that story you talked about when you caught your that that nice hen is that like you changed your fly and I can only imagine like how great that feels. Like, I feel like that is the best strategy when you get to feel like, okay, I tied, I threw this bug at it and I'm not going to give up. Cause sometimes you think like, it's not going to eat. Like I've already scared it. Like you said earlier, but then when you switched your fly, your fly and then it ate it, it's like, I, I am a genius. Like I created (laughs) this fly and I knew what she wanted to eat. Um, Do you always have that like, sense of accomplishment and what did your buddy say you know i want to ring back to because you know he was telling you like good luck so was he just also like chris you are a genius like you knew exactly what to do i Um, i'm i'm the goof yeah i don't um you know we really didn't say too much because we were both in awe you know i have the video that day and i sometimes go back to it and we sound like a couple of owls, honestly, because we're just like, <laughs> and we're just like so excited, like, oh my God. And like, yeah, all I could do was just, you know, thank the Lord that, you know, yeah. I'm here now in this moment with this beautiful fish doing what I love. And I just, ever since that day, I just wanted more and more of it. And now a brief message from our sponsors. Introducing the Trist All-Fly Kit, Composite Development's latest game-changing innovation. Utilizing the same butt section, the All-Fly morphs from 5-weight to an 8-weight via interchangeable sections. Need a little more length? Pop the extender into place and the 9-foot rod becomes a 10-footer. All housed within an ingenious tri-folding magnet rod tube, the All-Fly is the most versatile fly fishing tool ever devised, negating the need for multiple rods. Switch from delicate presentations with tiny parachutes to hucking gaudy coneheads. 
This package must be seen to be believed. Go to cd-fishing.us, click the video tab, and see the Trist All Fly in action. And remember to go fishing. It's so great to have like those special spots that you're talking about. We were just recently in Ennis and this really nice local guy was like, okay, I'm going to tell you guys a great spot um, to go fishing. And we're yeah. like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, this is a secret spot. You're in, I, I mean, obviously this is, I'm not going to repeat exactly what he was telling us because honestly he was giving us directions on the river and he was telling us like steps to take and mm-hmm. where the water dips down and um, we were on the Madison and the Madison, I don't know if you fished in Montana, the Madison really looks ripply. Like it doesn't look deep at all. Like it okay. literally just tons of ripples and it's really hard to figure out. You need, you know, there'll be some boulders where you can figure out like where, where you can throw your fly. But this guy's like in the middle of the river, it's going to dip down. And so I'm like walking down. He's like in, in the dip there'll be some fish and I'm walking in my waders and it's been a long day. I mean, it's like six o'clock and I start walking in the water and like, I take a left where I think he told me the dip is and I just plunge down. Like I didn't realize how deep the water got and my, and Justin's like, Oh, you have to be careful. The, the ripples doesn't mean like it's shallow. And I couldn't believe how deep it was, but I'm sure I just scared all those fish and we never caught anything, but I don't think my yeah. heart was really in, into it. Cause <laughs> I also think with fly fishing and maybe you can relate. Cause I do love, I love fly fishing, but sometimes, um, it's like you get strung out on the day, right? Yeah. And we so, I was like, oh, you know, I was like kind of tired and I was hungry and, Oh yeah, um, but it was weird. Like as soon as I did start fishing, I didn't feel as hungry, but I just I wasn't really caring about catching fish. I just was like, I'm just gonna come out here and just swing yeah. a couple of flies. And sometimes that feels good. It does. You know, I've definitely had those days. I, I think that it's not also always about fishing, but I think what's so special about Colorado Springs is, I mean, the backdrop is so beautiful. And that sometimes I think we get so stuck in our minds that, you know, you know, which I always think it's so good to go explore other areas. And, but sometimes you don't really have to go very far just to unwind. Yeah. And I I think a lot of that, you know, for me at least was just perspective. You know, I've fished in places uh, like 11 mile Canyon, which is pretty popular, Um, beautiful place. And uh, my first few times there, I was just getting skunked. I was slipping and falling over rocks. I think I actually, I broke a fly rod there No, and I was like, I'm never coming back, you know? And another friend of mine was like, oh, it's such a special place. It's so beautiful. (laughs) You're going to love it. And um, he was right, you know, because every bad day that I had, you know, I would just take a few deep breaths and just say to myself, what a better place to have a shitty day, you know? It is so true. It feels so magical sometimes. I mean, even the animals will like interact with you differently, you know, when you're in the water. Like I've been close to, you know, beavers and I've had bats fly down right in front of me and, you know. Have you ever caught a bat on the fly? (laughs) (laughs) That's happened before. (laughs) So um, me and my friend were night fishing once for carp. We, I guess we didn't realize we were just being completely surrounded by a bunch of bats. And I had a huge, like a crawfish jig on. 
and you know I'm taking a couple casts and I back cast and we both just hear like a thud and we're like what the heck was that and we hear like a flutter and then a splash in the water and I go over to it and it's a bat and I like uh-uh. knocked it out of midair and we're like <laughs> getting it on the end of the net and like I have a video on it on my uh, Instagram I believe and uh the probably the worst experience I've had with nature and fishing did the bat just fly away once you kind of came closer or I think it swam to the bank and maybe just took a little nap because I'm I'm not I don't know if it survived honestly oh gosh I mean I have to say bats give me the heebie-jeebies I mean I think they're so gross they're mice I agree (laughs) oh my gosh well you know it's so interesting you keep talking about your um Instagram because that's how you and I connected because I feel that you've actually connected me with so many other great people um that have come on the podcast especially like fishing the good fight Um, I think you are also a really good advocate for finding um people and you're a really great supporter on Instagram. Like, um, I doesn't feel competitive or like, um, you're a good person to follow because I think that you just share such good knowledge when it comes to fly fishing and you, and you tag other people. So it's like, Hey, this isn't like a secret. Like this guy's a great fly tire. This person is a great organization. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so like, how did you, how do you even keep yourself up to date with that? Like, I'm, I really am so curious because I'm so bad at social media I feel like it yeah and I I really didn't have a plan jumping into it you know because the original plan I had kind of fell through guys I didn't know what I was doing and (laughs) (laughs) so when I got into fly fishing it just seemed like all these pieces were coming together you know I was meeting people and like networking and um yeah and I was fairly new to it and I really don't like I'm competitive, but I guess when it comes to stuff like this, like I want to share it with people. Yeah. You know, I like no one for any reason should feel like this is unattainable, you know? Like there's really nothing too mystical about fly fishing. It's just a little bit of hard work. And um the companies like fishing the good fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really love what they stand up for. Um I know their main focus is men's mental health, but, you know, I think that kind of encompasses everything, you know, with the totally. their main their main uh, message is that, you know, you can find, you know, mental health through other outlets, link up with like-minded individuals and, you know, <clears throat> find yeah. some change through that. No, absolutely. I also think it's like, hey, um, like if someone in the fly fishing community isn't doing well, like I, I think we all are somehow connected in such a weird way where we're like, hey, like, did you hear this and this? This organization's coming. They're doing, especially, especially with Hurricane um, Ida. You know, um, yeah. there's a lot of people coming together and trying to support the fly fishing guides out there who've probably you know, lose, lost millions based on like skiffs and boats and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's really cool when the fly fishing community comes together. And I just think that you always kind of have your pulse on that. And I think that's really cool because what is also, I guess I should probably share what, what is your Instagram name? It's a free outdoors, free dot outdoors. Awesome. And, um, and that's Instagram. And then I think you have TikTok too. (laughs) 
<laughs> TikTok I, is new for me and I get, yeah. I'm not like laughing at you. I'm laughing at myself because I still have no idea what I'm doing with TikTok. Like Same. sometimes I am like, do I hashtag this or is this important to hashtag? And who's watching my videos? I don't even know. So these are new things. I think even when I started Instagram, I was like hashtag slash at slash what stories do I, what do I need to say on here? So um, it's still one of those things that I can't wrap my head around, but you're also on TikTok. And I do think it's yeah. important to be, to be current with all this um, change in technology. Yeah, um, I try. I mean, like you said, you know, it seems like I have a pulse on, you know, what's going on in a, in a, in a sense, I do feel like I do because I can like find these cool pages and, I'm always willing to share stuff and yeah. I hope it doesn't annoy some of these like fly tires and oh, you know, gosh. <laughs> stores that I'm like constantly sharing and talking. I about. highly <laughs> doubt it because I think everybody, everybody loves to be, I think it's the American way, but we all like to be recognized for hard work. And when someone else is like sharing that, like, I think that feels really good. Yeah. I mean, like we said, you were, um, you were one of the first people that I like reached out to when I started the podcast and you, and you were the first one to respond. And so I have to say, like, I think in the first, like first 10 episodes, cause I typed in the, Feb or typed in Colorado Springs and fly fishing and you're the first one name that came up. So, um, and it only cool. just took this many episodes. It only took <laughs> just so 70 <laughs> episode 72. Well, and also, cause it's like, who are you? Like, well, yeah, that's what I was kind I of asking even, myself. Like, why do they want to talk to me? I, I don't even have an Instagram account. I was like, maybe I need to start a February Room Insta Instagram account so people know who we are and what we're doing. And, no, it's and cool. It's, I really I like what you guys are doing. I think oh, it's a thanks. beautiful thing. And oh, yeah, it's so awesome. Well, and it's so much fun to see it kind of grow and become its own thing. And, um, and it's great having, especially... Um, people like you, Chris, and like these anglers who have stories. And it's not like ang the stories aren't just for people who are on magazines or write articles. I think fly fishing should be a story that I can tell, go in on a podcast and talk about because we all have them. They might not be like the world record fly fishing yeah. catch of a lifetime, but True. we all have them. Um, yeah, I think some of my more entertaining days really involve zero fish, I would think, or the, some small fish even. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, the first fish I caught, I fell in the water with Justin, and we had waders. I borrowed his dad's waders, and they were so big, size <laughs> 10 feet, and I fell in the water. And I still remember, he's like, I guess we're done fishing. And I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to catch a fish. And I caught a white fish, which I thought was like the best thing ever like i was a true yeah. angler and then everyone was like giving me like really hard time like oh you caught oh. a white fish i was like yeah i did okay like what's <laughs> why why are you looking at me like that but yeah no what's one of your most memorable catches small or big um i think my most memorable catch um we were at um i don't know if you've heard of the dream stream mm -mm. okay nope, so it's on the uh, south platte river um a lot of famous guides will go there. Uh, Landon Mayer, like, he goes there quite a bit. Um, there's a reservoir above it called Spinny Reservoir, and it's, okay. a, it's a gold medal reservoir. So there's 
basically no fish under 20 inches in there so huge trout um i believe there's pike in there oh, and nice. um we go out there one day and if you fished in this part of the um state it's kind of like central ish in the mountains um the weather can change in an instant so me and two other friends are fishing and i'm throwing out these huge leeches and chronomids and the wind starts picking up to I would say at least 40 miles per hour it fell at the most about 40 and uh, we know we're about to wrap it up but the winds to our backs so me and my friend who were fly fishing you know he was showing me how you could still kind of like you know back cast and flick it out there you know so I'm drifting these leeches and the winds just blowing so fierce um you know we don't think anything's happening and i thought again you know when you catch big fish you think you snag you know so i thought i had snagged and the reel starts screaming and not only am i fighting this fish but you know the wind is to the fish's back so he's got the upper hand and you know he takes me into my backing because I just can't really fight the waves and the fish and the wind and I'm thinking I'm gonna lose the fish and you know it I think I'm fighting this trout for about 15 minutes or so oh my gosh yeah and he finally gets tired and you know like the wind is beating and that's the another picture that I sent you the one where I'm wearing a mask Um, yes yes yeah that fish had some some abs and some shoulders on him like he just it was a huge fish and it was like it was more wider than it was longer but he was buff yeah he had um, he probably had to be yeah so that was probably one of the best fights and most exciting days that i've had just because it actually felt like an intense day of fly fishing and you had to earn it like and plus i can't i can't cast in the wind it's like pissing in the wind for me. You just can't do yeah. it. I'm just like, never mind. I'm turning around. But I need to get better at it. I probably yeah. need to start focusing more on my double haul and making that. And roll casting too. <clears throat> roll Very casting true. helps a lot in the wind for me. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, Colorado, I think um, Colorado Springs was always known for like, wait 10 minutes and then the weather will change. Like every yeah. time, which I'm sure you probably can agree to, like school would be canceled because of so much snow in the morning. Yep. And then like in the afternoon, we were all outside playing because the snow was starting to melt and we could go outside and but it was already at that point, school was canceled for everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. cause that's just how color, you know, and because where, where our elementary school was, it was like on top of Cheyenne mountain that if you, if the school buses couldn't go up the mountain, which it would get super slick and icy school would be canceled. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time the afternoon hit, the snow had melted and we had like, we didn't have to go to school that day. And that was always so exciting. But Colorado Springs is so interesting with the weather change. Does that make it harder for fishing or like predicting what to wear Um, for the day? Or are you just packing everything? Yeah. I think it just kind of makes the weather like dressing for the weather a little tough, but um, as far as fishing goes, uh yeah i would say if it's like really about to like thunderstorm and stuff you know you probably don't want to fish in that but i've fished in most 
in most of the weather here year round and I've had pretty good success. Um, there's like a, a lake in the middle of town called Quail Lake and I fished that place in the dead of winter and have had pretty good days. Well, is there any places in Colorado that you're still that's still on your bucket list, or are you starting to now be like, hey, I kind of che- I've I've checked all my home waters. I'm yeah. gonna start exploring different spots. So my wife, she she laughs at me a lot because on my Google Maps you can't really see Colorado because everything's covered in the little favorite heart geotags <laughs> because there's so many places I want to go. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, amazing, and um. And it's, it's beautiful here because there's places in New Mexico that I can get to much faster than I can on the western slope of Colorado. And um, there's just so many huge, like, pristine reservoirs and just alpine lakes. Um, I guess if I had to really pick a spot that if I could just get up and go to today, it would be... Um, there's these alpine lakes called the Pomeroy Lakes, and supposedly huh. they have a grayling. Oh, wow. Yeah, that so, would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really fun. You could be doing that right now. You can yeah. get off the phone, Chris, and you can start <laughs> making your way. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But uh, Traffic, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be another co- podcast for another podcast episode traffic in yeah. Denver and Colorado. Any, anybody who's been on I-70, they know that traffic uh-uh. is no joke. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me again, Chris, and um, follow you at free.outdoors. Yes. Yep, free outdoors at on Instagram. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.